Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. <clears throat> it's uh, great, to, great to be together this morning. I'm really excited uh, to be in part two of our series, as Melissa said, uh, called Dear Church. And uh, what I love about this series that we're in is it's uh, taking us through many of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to these churches that were emerging. And um, it's so neat how the words that the Apostle Paul wrote and the ones that we're going to see even particularly this morning, they've had such an impact in shaping these churches and really spiritually shaping the lives of followers of Jesus for now over 2,000 years. And um, so we get to dive into some of those this morning. So really excited about this series and, <clears throat> and where it's going um, if you're newer to Brookside, um, know that we're reading through the Bible this year. We're on a special journey. It's called 365, and it's so fun to see people continuing to jump in and engage uh, with this Bible read-through. And so if you go out even just to our Connection Corner right outside these doors this morning, you can always grab one of these. This is our reading plan, or you can just go online to our website. Um, but we would love to have you uh, join us in this journey. It's been <clears throat> really fun to celebrate uh, the things that God's doing uh, through that. Well, the place where we're going this morning in the scriptures is the book of 1 Corinthians. And right now you can begin, you can flip there or click there. Um, it's in the New Testament. It's just past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Keep going. You'll go to Acts, Romans, and then you'll get to uh, 1 Corinthians. And I just want to say this on the front end this morning. I really kind of want to give you a warning. Uh, the, the text that we're going to be looking at this morning leads us, it, the, really the thrust of this passage leads us to an application that the Apostle Paul is talking about this subject. It leads us to an application that you could sum up in just one word. And I just got to warn you about this word because for some of you, you love this word. It describes who you are as a person, how you're just wired up naturally. For others of you, you hate this word. It's one that if you're stuck in a traffic jam, this word comes to mind. Uh, it's 11 letters long, but for you, <clears throat> it's a four-letter word, right? Here, here it is. Here's the word. You ready? Didn't want to write it too boldly for you. Didn't want to hurt you if you don't like it. It's the word disciplines. Now, raise your hand if you, if you get excited when you hear about disciplines. I know there's a few, yeah? None in this service. At least first service, there was some disciplined people to get out of bed early, maybe. I'm not sure, but... Hey, Jeff. Hey, Rob. Talking about disciplines today. Yes, sir. Uh, I thought maybe, uh, I mean, I've been working on a little discipline myself, doing some, I'm trying to stay fit. <laughs> Got to stay fit. You look fit. Oh, thanks. Um, thought maybe we could have a push-up contest. Like after the service? Nope. Like right now? Like right now. Okay. He did this first service, too. I yeah. did. <laughs> I did. Uh, sure. I will tell you this. What's great is we're going to do this push-up contest and I'm going to get to, like, go back to the green room and, like, get a drink of water. And he has to finish preaching his sermon. So that's, yeah. so that's the good thing about it. So we're going to do this. All right, I need two counters. Can have you guys count? All right, you <clears throat> count Jeff, and you'll count me. All right. Okay. Um, you ready? Nice. Did you drink Gatorade all through my last sermon and pop vitamins and oh, stuff? Oh, I was, uh, yeah, yeah. just a little, uh, okay. little kind of post-pre-workout yeah. regimen that right. I do. All right. I think we might even have a little bit of music. We're going to need some, like, cheering or something. Yes, right? sir.
have? 45? 49. Oh, my four! That's yeah. great. Hey, have fun preaching the sermon, yeah, pal. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> well, you go relax. Yeah. Well, hey, while I, uh, I learned some good lessons first service, I don't think I br- took a breath through the whole set, and it took me seriously about 10 minutes to get back to normal. So I was working on my breathing through that, so I think we're going to be in better shape. But I want to pray for us for two reasons. You know one, and the other is, is deeply spiritual. So let's pray, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll carry on. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this morning, and I thank you, Lord, that we can come together, and we can, um, as we've already done, we can declare how good you are. Um, we can enjoy each other. Um, we can dig into your word. And this morning, I thank you, Lord, that, again, we come to you with open hands, and you honor that when your people come to you and, and they say, Lord, I want to hear from you. Um, you show up in those moments. And so, Father, we pray right now that we would have that experience with you, that you would speak to us through your word and that you would do a great work in us. And so right now, just take a minute and uh, pray on your own. I think I'll give you like five minutes. So go ahead. Lord, um, again, we just say, even with kind of palms up this morning and that kind of a posture, we say we want to hear from you. And so, Father, we ask you, uh, would you speak to us in these moments? Um, Thank you for who you are. Lord, would you, I pray, renew our minds. Would you put our minds on noble things of God? Lord, captivate our attention this morning. Win our affections, we pray. We love you, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Ready? Here we go. Hey, today what we're going to do is we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and um, uh, if you want to turn there now, I think I already had you do that. Um, I, we're gonna, what I want to do is this. I want to read through the entire text. We're going to look at just four verses today. We're going to start in verse 24. I want to read them in their entirety, and then we're going to come back, and uh, we'll work through them together. So here they are. Let's read this, or I'll read this to you. Here we go. <clears throat> do you not know, it says, that in a race all the runners run, Apostle Paul speaking here, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In verse 27 or 26. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. Then he says, no, I, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Now, here's the scene. Paul is writing to the people in the city of Corinth. Corinth at this time is a booming city. It's, a, it's the center. You could say it's a hot spot. It's the, you could say it's the dominant or even the chief city in Greece. People are flocking to it because of just even this geographical location. But in the midst of that, in the midst of all of these people, the Apostle Paul knows this. If you were to like, if you or I were to step into that city and make an observation, the word that would come to our mind would not be, oh, it's a godly city. 
Not the case. The Apostle Paul knows the things that are happening in this city are difficult. They're, they're wrong. And so Paul is writing to these people in the city of Corinth, and he's writing with his heart, and he's saying, I, I want this church to be able to grow. I want this church to be able to, to really flourish. But he knows this. The same problems that are happening in the society in the city of Corinth, Paul is seeing them take place in the context of the local church. And so it breaks Paul's heart. He says this about them actually in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 1. It says this. It says, brothers and sisters, he said, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. He's saying, I, I can't even address you as people that are alive to the Spirit of God in you. And then he says this, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And then he says, you've got jealousy going, and there's, there's quarreling amongst you. And he talks about some of the things that are happening in their midst. And here's the thing. If you read through the rest of this book of 1 Corinthians, what you find is that there was immaturity. There was divisions. They were pitting one leader against the other. There was sexual immorality. There was jealousy. There was envy, marital issues. There were things that were happening in their midst. And the apostle Paul so wanted these people to not get stuck in them. Have you ever known someone and you watched them in a particular uh, place in their life and they were struggling and you, you knew, well, if they would just do these things, it would help them and you, your heart went out to them because you cared about them. That's what's going through the heart of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9. He's saying, he's looking at the city, he's looking at the city of Corinth and he's seeing everything that's happening and then he's looking at this church and he's saying, okay, I just long for you to grow up in your faith. I long for you to experience the fullness of life with God. But Paul knows this, they're not going to drift into that. And so Paul begins to talk to them about how it's going to take a disciplined approach to get there. This past summer, we were visiting my parents over in eastern Iowa and one afternoon, this huge storm came through, and people have been talking about it for hours before it came, and, and it was just straight-line winds. Later, it was categorized as a, as a low-grade tornado, and, and as it approached, we went over to the neighbor's house, and we got in their tornado shelter. It was this little uh, concrete box. It was made for eight people. We put 14 in there with two dogs, but we were happy to be in there, and we could hear this storm hitting, and we were wondering, like, what's going to be laying on the building that we're in, Right? And so at the end of it, the owner of the thing, uh, Kim, he lifted the latch, this big iron, you know, big steel door, and he pushed it open, and we walked out, and what we saw was a mess. We saw stuff like this all over the place, trees down, all, you know, it was, just a, it was just a mess, leaves everywhere. But then I noticed this right as well. Right in the midst of the, the trees and everything, the debris that was down, there were even more trees that were still standing. There were trees that were still looking like they hadn't even experienced a storm, yet those same trees had experienced the same pounding rains, the same straight-line winds, but yet they stood tall. Like the culture you live in and I live in, like the culture that the Corinthians lived in, it was stormy. There were things coming at them, but the Apostle Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, in the midst of that, I want you to be able to stand strong. I want you to get to the point in your life where one day you look back and you say, I left a spiritual legacy with my life. I want you to be the kind of people that you experience me throughout your life. But he knows this. 
He knows that these people will not get there easily. They're not going to drift into that kind of life. And so Paul begins to talk to them, what does it mean to train in godliness? What does it mean to be the kind of person that's disciplined in this? What does it mean to to have the kind of heart that, that drifts not away from God, but is intentional, is on purpose and going towards him. And so this is our main point for this morning. Here it is. Maybe jot this down. Disciplines don't earn God's graces, but they help us enjoy them. Every time this morning you see the word graces, disciplines don't earn God's graces. Think this word with graces. Think the activity of God. Your discipline in your life, it won't earn the graces of God, but it will help you enjoy them. This is how I want us to think about this this morning, and um, this is really important. Don't miss this. Imagine if this red line, imagine if this represents your life, okay? This is your earthly life, and so here you are. Sorry, I'm not a very good artist, but so there, there you are, and let's just say that at one point in your life, you come to the realization that you are far from God, you're a sinner in need of Jesus Christ, And you come to this point of of faith. You put your faith in Christ. And it's the day when you declare, hey, Lord, I don't want to be the leader of my life. I've tried that, Lord. I want you to lead my life. I want to experience your grace. I want to experience this incredible life that you offer me. Now, you might experience that. You may have at a very early age. Maybe for you, though, it was later in life. But regardless of when it was, this is true of every single person, no matter how old you are at this point, when you experience the grace of Jesus Christ and you become a child of God, no matter how old or young you are, you're a spiritual infant at that point. You're an infant. And this is what Paul is saying. This is what God is saying to us. From that point on, Paul's going to keep talking to these Corinthians and he's going to say, from this point on, you should be growing And then he's going to be saying, hey, you should mature so that one day you look back at your your life and you say, I remember the time one year ago when I used to think about that, but boy, since I came to know Christ, I've been growing and and I'm, I'm different than that. Or you get five years away from this point where you came to know Christ and you say, wow, I treat people differently. I've grown. I've matured. Or you get 10, 15 years away and you say, wow, I've been walking with God now for a long time and things are different. People even would say of me, my, here it is, this is so important. Sorry, that's a heart. My heart is soft to God. And people look at you and they would say, wow, what is it? And you would say this, I've grown, I've matured in Christ. There was a day when I came to know him, and this is so important. Ephesians 2, 8, we do not earn our salvation before God. This is a free gift from God when we come to faith in Christ. But from that point on, like any good parent, like if you have a baby in your house right now, isn't it nice you have a baby in your house? It's great. I love that stage. But you know what? You want that baby to grow up, don't you? You want them to mature. God looks at you and I and he says, okay, when you come to know Christ, you're a spiritual infant, but you're going to grow. You're going to mature. And as you do, disciplines won't earn anything for you, but they'll help you experience the joy of knowing God. It's like you're going to step into the stream of the activity of God. That's what disciplines will do for you. And so back to Paul's words, 1 Corinthians 9, he says this in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, 
but only one gets the prize. And then he says, run in such a way as to get the prize. What Paul is saying is, run hard. He's saying, after you've come to faith in Christ, don't just kind of, you know, treat your days like they're no big deal. He says, no, you grow, you mature, run hard, run the race with perseverance, run in such a way as to win the prize. You might uh, recall this name, Herschel Walker. You know this athlete? He won the Heisman Trophy, starting NFL running back. Um, Look at this. Look at how consistency in a physical discipline benefited him. So here he is at 20 years old, played ball for Georgia. This is him now at 54 years old. Look at his abs. It's like speed bumps. I mean, who has those? But here's here's the neat thing. He just did the basics over a long period of time. The secret to his success is simple. Every day he does 750 to 1,500 push-ups. Rob and I have a ways to go. And and, and he does those in sets of 50 to 75. And then he does 3,500 sit-ups in sets of 300 to 500. The point is this. He stuck with the basics over a long period of time. I can't wait to see what the dude looks like when he's 75, you know? Think about that. That's physically it impacted him. Maybe you've heard this statement, successful people do regularly what most people do occasionally. I think you could take out the word successful and put the word godly in there. Godly people do regularly what most people do occasionally. Then Paul says this in verse 25. He says, everyone who competes in the games, they go into strict training, meaning they don't take it lightly. Dallas Willard put it this way. He said, grace is opposed to earning, meaning this, that the grace of God that he pours out on us, that when you come to know Christ, it's a complete gift from God. He says, grace, experiencing the activity of God in your life continually, he says, that is, uh, it is opposed to earning, but he says this, it is not opposed to effort. Paul says, go into strict training. And then he says this in verse, the rest of 25. He says, they do it to get a crown that will not last, these athletes he's talking about, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Paul's saying, hey, there's a reward, and the reward for physical training, it's only going to last a short period of time. Your your life would be like a blink in the, the grand scope of things, but when you train for godliness, how it impacts your relationships and how it impacts the things you invest your time and your money and all that into, that will live far beyond you. I love this. This is... Uh, in Paul's day, these competitions would not have been foreign to, to his culture. In their day, they had their own form, even this formal Olympic Games. And instead, though, of, of winning a gold medal for, for first place in the Olympic Games in their day, they would win a wreath, right? A wreath. Now, this wreath came to us five days ago from a floral shop. And it was, I'll tell you, it was beautiful. These flowers were big, they were bright. Somebody came into my office and they said, hey, what are you going to do with that wreath? Is it like Ashlyn have a big dance or so? What's going on? What's the deal? I said, no, I'm just going to watch it perish all week, you know? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. What Paul is saying is this. When you put your time, when you pour into strict training for the sake of godliness, Paul is saying it will not perish. Five days later, this thing is crinkly, it's crackly, it is perished. 
Paul is saying your labor, your labor in the Lord, the way that you're, if you strictly train, if you say, you know what, I want to grow, I want to mature, he's saying it will not perish. You will receive a crown that will last. And here it is. You will experience more and more of God. Your heart will be softer to him, and the fruit that that will produce in your life will leave a legacy of faith. Some of you are investing your time and your resources into things that are going to far outlive you, far outlive you, because you're doing it in the name of, of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is wanting his listeners to hear. They do it for a crown that will last forever, beyond you and I. I love it in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing to Timothy, and, and, and Timothy is kind of Paul's apprentice, and so Timothy uh, is there with this church that Paul's been working with, but Paul's gone off to Ephesus, and he's had to stay there longer than he thought, so he writes a letter back to Timothy, and he wants Timothy to take really good care of this church, and so he says this to him in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales, things that of their day that were causing trouble. He says, rather... Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He's saying it's worth your investment. It's worth strict training. It's not just going to fade. It's going to last. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 26 says this. He says, therefore, Paul, I do not run like someone who's running aimlessly. I'm not just running in circles with no goal. And I do not fight like a boxer just beating the air. Not at all. In other words, he's saying, I know what my goal is. I know I want to experience more of the God who loves me, who knows me. I want to be involved in what he's doing. I want to hear his voice. When he prompts me, I want to act. Paul had his eyes set not on disciplines, but Paul had his eyes set on Jesus. And he knew if I'll pursue Jesus... I will love the life that he will give me. And so when you think about disciplines, don't think so much about what you do. Think about what you want. That's the internal. That's got to be the motivation. It's when I grow, when I mature, I do that not to earn anything, not to get a pat on the back, but to experience more of the God who loves me, to have a heart that's more and more soft to him. I think this statement says it really well. Here it is. The disciplines God uses are a means to an end and not the end themselves. We must know what the proper end is. If we don't or if we don't keep it in front of us, disciplines will begin to feel dutiful instead of delightful. Have you ever had that experience? Boring instead of life-giving. Because we aren't connecting with Jesus, the source of life and joy. We've got to have the why very clear. Don't do disciplines just to do disciplines. You know what that leads to? Grouchy Christians that should have stayed in bed. You do disciplines because you want to know the God who knows you. And so Paul keeps going, and then he says this in verse 27. gives another illustration. He says, no, I just don't run aimlessly. I just don't beat the air. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul is so focused and the reason behind his discipline has nothing to do with the discipline in itself. He sees the discipline as the means to the end and the end is the activity of God and he's saying, I want to jump in that stream. 
And if these disciplines will help me get there, whether it's Bible reading or prayer or fasting or whatever, I I put two book recommendations in your program this morning. There's a lot of great resources where you can learn about, okay, what are the things that will help me grow and mature? Again, not to earn, but to experience, to enjoy the graces of God. Remember, disciplines don't earn God's graces, but they help us enjoy them. I want to give you this morning, I want to end this way, I want to give you four specific disciplines. And regardless really of where you're at on your spiritual journey, you can enter into to one of these. Um, and I would ask you, would you just pick one this morning? I'm going to give you four, but would you just say, be open to God and just say, Lord, which one would you nudge me toward? Lord, which one would be important for me to explore more? So just pick one. So here's the first one, and, and this is one that as I mention it, you're going to go, okay, I've heard this one before, and, and there's a reason why you hear this one often first. I'm calling it this morning the discipline of intake and interaction, and this is the discipline of doing this. This is the discipline of opening up God's word on a daily basis, keyword daily, so that over time, you might not have a lightning bolt experience every time you open up God's word, but over time, you'll be so glad that you've got this discipline in your life. Even if you're not a Christian this morning, I would say to you, begin to read the New Testament. Open up the book of John. See what God does in your life. This is the discipline that says, you know what, Lord, I not only want to intake but I want to interact with you. And so as I read, I read with an open heart and I say, God, would you lead me? God, would you teach me? It's interactive. In Psalm chapter 1, I I love this. It gives us this picture. I would encourage you, read Psalm 1. It'll be motivating to you. But it gives this picture of this person whose life is rooted in the fact that they continually open up God's word and they They really soak their mind and their soul in it. And what it says of them, it speaks metaphorically, and it says of them that they're like a tree that's not just like this little weak tree that gets blown over by the storm, but they're like this tree that's by the stream of water, and so their roots go deep, and and then in season they produce this incredible fruit with their life because they're hearing from God. They're saying, Lord, would you teach me? Lord, would you lead me? I don't want to go do my own thing because your ways are better. That's why we have done this 365 this year, and it has been so neat to hear story after story of people who are saying, I've never done this before. I've never had a regular habit of opening up God's word and letting it speak to me. So I can't encourage you strongly enough. Would you pick a place in your home or in your office where you would say, you know what, that's where I'm going to sit, and this is the time when I'm going to do it. Start at 15 minutes and just see what God does. I guarantee you, you will not regret that discipline. The second discipline that I want to mention, again, not to earn, but to grow and to mature. So one day I look back and I say, that's who I was five years ago. But God, you've continued to mature me along the way. The second one is this. It's giving back. I'm referring to this as giving back, and and really it's the discipline of serving. In John chapter 13, I love this, we get this picture of Jesus. He puts a serving towel over his arm, and he does what I think is one of the, the, maybe the greatest acts of humility, uh, apart from him going to the cross. He gets down before his disciples, and he does this disgraceful act of service for them. But then he says this when he's done with it. He says, now, guys, do as I have done for you. 
And so why do we serve? Because our Lord said, hey, I'll do that. I'll put a serving. There's nothing I'm not willing to do. And he engaged in that. And then he said to you and I, he said, now you do. You do as I have done for you. If you really want to grow in your faith, if you really want to mature, be the kind of person that you would, you would, uh, you would participate in the act of serving. I know some of you are really bothered by this. I didn't put an E on that word, mature. I, was, I knew some of you were worried about that. All right, it's done. Back to where we were. Okay. I was driving around the building on Friday, and um, I stopped, and, and I saw one of our volunteers, Tim, and he does a, a lot of things around this place in a lot of ministries, and in addition to that, he takes care of all of the, 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 the green spaces, all the lawn care around the perimeter of our building, big field out here, he trims, blows, all, does all of that, takes several hours every week. He does it on Friday, so it looks good for Sunday. He's incredible. And so I stopped him, and I just said, hey, Tim. I said, hey, thanks for what you're doing. Every week, you're here, thank you. I said, it's making an impact. And then he says to me, he says, you bet. And then he said, just tell me if there's anything else I can do. And I love that spirit. And the reason I mention that is because so many of you have that same spirit. And what I love most is that when you find your place, the way that God has uniquely gifted you, and you begin to plug in, you're going to look back and you're going to say this because people say this all the time. They say, you know what? I'm the one who's getting blessed. If you're fed up with your life right now, maybe a little bit frustrated with something going on, you want help with that, go serve someone else. And your situation all of a sudden will look a lot better. Put that serving towel over your arm. Remember, though, Spiritual disciplines, they don't earn the grace of God, but they help us enjoy the graces and the activity of God. You know, if, if this is the one that God nudges you on this morning, I just want to say this to you. Take a step. Look in your program this morning. We put this in there for you. These are the top places you can plug in right now. We have hundreds. I love this about this church. I mean, celebrate that. Over 7,000 hours of serving already this year. Those are just the ones that have been recorded. Hundreds and hundreds of you, you give your time and your effort. Why? Because you want to be a part of the most critical mission on planet Earth. Helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. There's nothing greater you could give your life to. And so this morning, if you'd say, you know what? I, I'm not doing that. These are the top places right now in our church that you could engage with. And I guarantee you this, you will never regret having begun serving. You'll never regret looking at your life and seeing, God, you used me. God, when I held that door open and I greeted that person with a smile, that made an impression on them right away when they came to our church. I cared about the landscaping in this place, and that made an impression right when they came. I, 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 I worked with kids, and they had a great experience, and that helped their parents. You'll never regret helping people find and follow Jesus Christ. Number three, the discipline of what I'm calling this morning, here it is. The discipline of quiet. I'll be quick on these last two. I don't need to tell you that we live in a very connected culture, right? A very connected world. Even when we're alone, isn't it true that oftentimes we're still connected? I feel that way. I get alone sometimes and I'm like, well, I have some quiet time. And what do I do? I pull out my phone and I'm, I'm connected again, right? And my fear for us is this. My fear for us is that sometimes maybe we'll go for even weeks, maybe even months without taking the time just to sit in silence and remember who we are in Christ. 
And so what would it be like if you embrace the discipline of just quiet? Maybe it's just 10 minutes this next week. And you just sit in silence and you remember, okay, I'm a child of the living God. And you let that just kind of blow you away. And you, you, you remember, okay, so since I'm a child of the living God, that's my identity. That changes how I think and what I worry about and it shapes my life. It's amazing. We've sung it this morning. We have a heavenly father that is incredibly interested in his children. Incredibly interested. And he longs to interact with us. We have full access to him. Christina asked our kids one morning this week, she said, who do you think has free access to the president? Who, who do you think that at the, the drop of a hat can just walk into the Oval Office and break him out of a really important meeting? Who, who do you think's on the list of people that, man, he'll just, he'll, he'll drop whatever he's doing to meet their need or to hear what's, what's, what's wrong or what they, what's going on? And so the kids were kind of thinking about that and and they said, well, maybe the people that are really close to him at the White House. Or maybe it's the people in Congress. And she said, oh, maybe the Secretary of State. Said, yeah, maybe, maybe that. And then she said this. She said, nope, none of them. She said, only his kids. Tim Keller put it this way. I think this is a brilliant statement. He said this. The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that kind of access what would it be like this week if you practice the discipline of quiet and you just reminded yourself, Lord, I'm not earning anything today, but I want to grow and I want my heart to be, become more like yours, Lord. And so would you just, God, would you just allow me to enjoy your presence as a child of God? The last one I want to mention, and this one's the one that God had for me this week. Here it is. I'll be very brief on it. It's the discipline of thought. I was talking to a friend last week, and he was telling me about how God had really done this work in his life. He said, I went for years and years, and I was consumed by worry. I was consumed by fear. It impacted every aspect of my life. And he said, I wanted to change, and I kept trying different things. And he said, I would work too much, and, and I thought that that would overcome my, the fears that I had. And so then I would get home, and I would be overly stressed out, and it just was overcome by that. And I said, well, what was it then? What, what made the change, finally? And he said, I had to retrain how I thought. He said, I owe the Apostle Paul on this one. He said, and he quoted this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. You might memorize this if this one's for you. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here it is, think about such things. Whatever is true, not what I think she's thinking, Whatever is true, and not whatever is negative, but whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is excellent, think about such things. The discipline of thought, so impactful. For me, that's going to be great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrestle with that. What if I just, every time my thoughts go where they shouldn't go, what if I brought them away from fear and anxiety, and I brought them to a place where I said, no, 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 here's who I am as a child of God. Whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is noble. Maybe that's a discipline for you this week. Um, you know, Steve and I were talking about this sermon this week, and I love his perspective that he brings to this topic and many others. And I love it because he so well led this church with Becky for 35 years, and he's modeled this. He's modeled, both of them have a disciplined life. And so I asked him this morning just to come up, and I said, can I just ask you just a couple questions 
um, and give us your perspective. Give us the long haul picture and, um, and just help us learn. So, hey, Steve. Hey. So the first question I want to ask is, is this. How have you seen the spiritual disciplines impact the lives of people over the long haul? Okay, I mean, just to say it this way, um, we talk about scripture, reading God's word. I, it's not going to happen if we do it in like big gulps uh, infrequently, where we say, you know, we have this thing where we want to read it, but we don't do it on a daily basis. I, I could just tell you, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, and I, I feel so fortunate uh, that I, I was able to understand as young as nine years old the value of scripture in my life. I, I don't know, many different reasons that that happened. But I can look back and I'm so thankful that not only did I understand the importance of scripture, but I understood the importance of it in my life on a daily basis. And I say the same thing is still true. And I think of anybody that I know who has made, you know, those steps of growth in their spiritual life. It's come because they've allowed God to speak to them each day. And there's so many times that I've thought to myself, if I, if I hadn't spent that time in Scripture first thing in the morning, and for Becky, it's the last thing in the evening, but the same is true, that what happens to us within the next 24 hours, the next 12 hours, the next 8 hours, our response to that, the decision that we would have made, would have been entirely different if we hadn't allowed God speaking to us at that day, right when we needed it. So I just, I know everything in me, I just, you know, I wish I could convince every single person of the importance of daily time in God's word. And the other thing I would say, and I think of this because just uh, a couple months ago, I had a a young man in our church uh, asked to come in and see me, and, and, he, and he, he, wanted to, he wanted to talk with me because he wanted me to pray with him because he had just found out that he has very serious cancer. And he said this, you know, Steve, I've been doing 365 this year, and I can tell you right now what has prepared me for this time in my life is being in God's word every day. And, you, just, you know, you just never know when you're going to run into that really hard time in your life. And the, the thing I could just tell you right now, the only way you're going to be prepared for that time is if you have had this discipline in your life where you've allowed God to speak to you on a daily basis. And if you, if my expression on my face right now or my emotion that you're feeling is because I feel this so deeply. It's just like 40 years of experience as a pastor, emphasizes to me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Steve, what would you say to the person that um, they, maybe they are pretty disciplined, but they're not having any lightning bolt moments, you know? It's just yeah. kind of, it's just mundane maybe even feeling. Yeah. Um, I've gone through that many, many times. And in the last five years have been very hard for Beck and I, and since we lost our son, Greg, and the first year was the hardest. But for some reason, last year was my second hardest year. And I just want to tell you, you know, the, the, the quote there about um, um, always having the goal in front of you, the reason why you're reading scripture. I'm just going to be really honest. 
When you, when you are in a time in your life where your brain just uh, clouds over, you know, it's just, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. But I, I just want to tell you, just so you understand that all of last year, 2015, I literally walked myself down to the basement every morning where, where I have my time, not because I felt like it. And I can tell you that it, I went day after day after day where it was literally doing it, not because I saw why I was doing it, but doing it because it was a discipline that I just knew. I just knew from my experience in my life that I needed this as much as I didn't feel like it. I knew that I needed it, and I kept on doing it. And there were so many of those days where I, I what did I get out of this? I, I don't even know what I got. But looking back, I know I got way more than I was feeling in the moment. And so I just want to say to you, when you have those times, just keep on persevering. And always think lifetime. Don't, don't think that one day. Think over a lifetime. Think over a lifetime. Because that'll just make all the difference for you. Okay? Yeah. So. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. I want to put our main point on here one more time, and, and then I'll pray for us. Here it is. Our main point. Disciplines don't earn God's graces, but they help us enjoy them. Remember. We can't earn this incredible gift of salvation. I don't want to confuse that at all this morning. But once we have this, God says, okay, then I want you to join me. And I want you to experience the goodness of life as you walk with me. And, uh, and these spiritual disciplines are a means to that. And so would you pray with me? And let's just ask God for, for help this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that we've been able to come here today. And um, Father, I just pray even now in this moment that... God, one of those four things, maybe you would tap us on the shoulder and you would just remind us, hey, you can do this, not just to do it, but you can do this so that you can know me. Lord, you are the ultimate prize. And so, God, any of these things now that we would do, we do them not to check a box, not out of guilt, but we do them motivated by this incredible why, which is you. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's name. We sing to you now. Amen.